This is the Books and Authors Fantasy and Sci-Fi Podcast with your hosts, Scott Walker and Jamie Davis, episode 187. Hi, I'm one of your hosts, Jamie Davis, author of Fun Fantasy and Sci-Fi Reads. I'm here with my co-host, urban and cozy fantasy author, Scott Walker. Hey, Scott, it's always good to be back on the show with you. What are you working on right now? Oh, my gosh, what am I not working on? I am, (laughs) uh, I think by the time this drops, uh, I will have probably just hit upload for book six in my little yokai urban fantasy series, the sixth and final book called Released. Um, it goes live Friday, May 19th. I'm very excited to bring that series to a close and give my protagonist, Keiko Miller, who I have lived with for probably four or five years. She's been in my head as I've been writing the series. It's nice to give her a proper send off. So looking forward to sharing that with readers. And I also have a shared world project that I can't quite talk fully about, but um, that is progressing very, very well. I've got some authors who are loving it. We're having a lot of fun in the Discord servers. We're building out the world. So I hope to share more about that soon. How about you, my friend? Well, first off, I got to say, I can't wait to hear more about that shared world you're working on. It just sounds so much fun. Um, just the little teasers you've given us about it make me want more. Um, as far as me, I am working on book three in my Uncle Chip Saves the Fae series, which I'm going to be launching exclusively on Kickstarter before it's anywhere else this summer. That'll be in July. And I have to get the third book done. And so all three books are going to be written. These are the first three books in a longer series. And they will all be written before the Kickstarter even goes. So you'll know that the product is ready to go and available for you soon after your Kickstarter ends. So that's something I'm excited about. Um, And of course, I'm still pumping out um, information about my um, duo book, uh, Split Infinity. And it's, it's continuing to sell well. And the duo universe is doing great. And I'm, I'm excited to continue working with those authors like you, Scott. So it's been a lot of fun. It has been an absolute ton of fun. And I love seeing the new books come out. And I was just checking the, the Duo Amazon um, series page. And I'm, I'm super impressed with the ratings. You know, readers seem to really be loving the series, really love this world. So I'm happy that we're writing something that the reading community seems to have embraced fully. So it's great. Yeah, everybody's books are received have been received really well by everybody's writers. I mean, our readers. I, I think that's the one interesting thing for me is we've all brought our own reader fans with us, but they seem to also like the other folks' books too as they read into them, and that's kind of exciting to see. I mean, I've had new readers comment to me that they really enjoyed my book, and that's that's gratifying and makes me feel good in so many ways. But um, why don't we get ready for this week's guest? I'm really excited to bring her on the show. Nicole Grotepes, who also writes under the pen name N.A. Grotepes, is on the show today. And she writes stories with snarky female leads discovering their found family and fighting against maniacal Bond villain types. Her characters typically inhabit fascinating and inviting locations that provide readers with an escape from the real world. N.A. Grotepes, Studied folklore in college after obtaining an M.A., also almost pursued a doctorate in that field, but was saved from that drudgery by her laziness in gathering letters of recommendation, which I think is hilarious. After a stint in the publishing industry as an editor, she left to pursue her own desires of conquering worlds, both real and imagined, one book at a time. I can't cannot wait to get in this interview. It's been a long time coming. Let's do it. 
Hey, Nicole, thanks so much for joining us today. Why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself? Um, thanks, Scott. Uh, it's good to be here. Um, yeah. Uh, so, you know, I'm I'm a an author. I've written a lot of books. Some of them are weird genres that no one would know. Um, I have several pen names that no one knows, but most people know me as Nicole Grotapass or N.A. Grotapass. And, you know, uh, with my fans, my reader group especially, we really enjoy my making fun of, kind of heckling my obsession with Neil Diamond. I mean, I'm obsessed with music in general, but, um, and so it's not just Neil that I listen to, but since everyone kind of knows Neil Diamond and we all kind of get into Neil Diamond, I mean, everyone has a Neil song they like. If they don't, then I don't know if they're human. I think that should actually be an AI test, um, not an AI bot test. You know, what's the best Neil Diamond song? If you can't answer that, you're not a human or you're not a, you are, yeah, you're not a human. You're a robot. Anyway, um, so that's it. Uh, nothing special, just Neil Diamond and uh, books. <laughs> I would clearly fail that. I fail most of the um, bot tests as it is. I would probably fail that one too. <laughs> what? You don't like Neil Diamond? I never said that. I never said that. I just, I don't know that I could come up with like a favorite song if you ask me. Just say Neil. The pressure, the stress. I don't know. I don't know. Well, when that happens, just throw out Sweet Caroline because everyone knows that one. Okay, great. Thanks for the tip. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. For the record, right, well, you are. For the record, that, I just have to throw in Cherry Cherry is mine. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my favorite. Really, you you know, pass. There's like classic era Neil, which is like that time, Kentucky Woman, Shiloh, stuff like that. And then you got later, I can't actually remember when Sweet Caroline came out. It's not my favorite, but. <gasps> I, oh, okay. All right. Yeah, it's a good song. I'm right? just saying it's going to be out there now. It really tugs on the strings in all the right ways. The chord progression is really perfect and and whatnot. So. That's why everyone likes it. It resonates, but. Okay. All right. Yeah. It's out there. I mean, it's a tangent is always a welcome thing. It should be anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about your books, Nicole. Okay. <laughs> you have been writing for a very long time and you've got books out in two different genres. You've got the Colossus sci-fi series and the Dread Dixon urban fantasy series. Um, in general, how would you describe your stories to a new reader who's not familiar with them? Um, yeah, uh, so I guess a long, like, even though with your, with the Colossus series and then the, um, Dread Dixon, it's, you know, it's urban fantasy and then space fantasy. I mean, there's, there's always a fantasy element in those. Um, I think even like, so I have thrillers as well. And I think if you, if you get down into what's, the similarities are it's more um well just the human condition because even even like in the fantasy and space fantasy and then the thrillers i kind of really like to explore the human condition and i don't know what else that would be i think every book kind of tends to do that and if it doesn't it doesn't resonate but um the fun ones because the thrillers are not fun they're serious and dark but the the fun stuff about the fantasy is i think the uh, kind of the vibe of found family and finding out how people belong to each other and exploring um, connections between humans. You know, I really love to get into scenes that have a lot of people or that, that have, um, they kind of are, there's action, but then underneath all the action, there's 
the underpinnings of what makes a group of people tick or a person tick and what makes their heart beat and makes them beautiful. Um, and sometimes what makes us beautiful is also what makes us ugly. And so I kind of get into that a little bit. I sometimes have readers complain about, <laughs> I don't know why I'd go there, but what they don't like about my character or a character. And, um, you know, that's the character's arc. So I don't fix it. I let the arc play out. So I don't know if that really touches on the question. I always make questions or answers harder than they need to be. So I also do that in books. <laughs> I, I think it answered the question. I mean, I think that your, your, your books have some complexity to them in a good way that, that leads people to not just enjoy the book, but think and, and, you know, kind of at the end go, Hmm, you know, and that's a good thing. So that's, that's my answer. So I think that that's what you said. Um, we're talking about your upcoming book launch, which is so cool that we're going to, we're going to get into that in a second here, but it's an urban fantasy book. And you talked about, you write thriller, you write sci-fi, you write fan, urban fantasy. What is it about urban fantasy that you think really appeals to you and helped you get into this current project where you're getting ready to launch? Oh, that's a great question. Um, Sorry, my cat is here. If you hear a, a meowing in the recording, um, I should have locked her out. <laughs> so with uh, this book and urban fantasy in specific, I think like for me, the like uh, the the play of non <clears throat> technically non-human entities against the human entities or whatever allows me to ex- kind of go into what makes a human a human and what makes what resonates across different um, life forms or something you know I have a cat in this one that talks and a and a dog that doesn't and you know I have an angel that adopts a dog and I find that I mean that was that's been hilarious but also like a super for me beautiful thing kind of exploring the allure of of belonging and owning something, but not owning it, you know, cause the, the animal still has an aid it's agency on some level. Um, but with this series, um, this, what was the question again? I kind of got distracted by the cat. No, it's okay. I, I mean, I just, I think you talked about it a little bit, but what urban fantasy is appealing to you? What about urban fantasy? Appeals okay. To you? Yeah, thanks for refreshing me. Um, the so with urban fantasy, it's really a lot easier for me to write too, like um, because I think it it's so close to what we're doing just in general on Earth, like as a human and a civilization. So my space opera is a little harder to write, and it's a little more. I don't know if you noticed this, Jamie, but for me, kind of going out into space and going and I have aliens in mind often and and stuff. There's a little more science, and there's so for me, there's a little more. It's a little more complex, and so I can't just let it roll off my fingertips. And with urban fantasy, I, I find that I can do that. But I grew up reading epic fantasy. Like that was my preferred genre for so long. And I, and because of that, I think there's, it's an easier for me to grasp and, and, and roll with urban fantasy, but I like the whole, um, the, the, the settings and the, of cities, which are just, there's so much mystery within a city, even though it's full of light and, and buildings and it's civilized at a, you know, quote civilized. There's so much that's wild about them. And within each building, there's secrets, you know, human secrets. We don't know what goes on behind closed doors. And 
And so instead of the shadows of like a forest and whatever, I mean, I get into forests too, but there's, there's the shadows of the city and shadows within it. And so you can play with light and the things that, and this like dichotomy of darkness and light. And I don't know, there's so much that's um, magical about it. And I think it's that the mystery of, of humanity. And I think like inside a city, you're, you're mirroring what's inside a human um, there's there's nooks and crannies and then you kind of and it, and it comes out um, and projects out onto the the city and and that also happens within the relationships between different species and you know the you'll end up with demons and you'll end up with vampires and they're playing against humans and so there's this this tableau that kind of emerges that's just super gorgeous to me and and I uh, I feel like there's an, uh, just an endless capacity to explore it all and and I think because of that, when I, even when I, when it's like, oh, urban fantasies played out or something, I'm like, no, there's still so much for me to explore anyway. It's kind of never ending. And, and then you get into like found families and stuff and you just, it, it, it flowers out from there like fractals or something. And it just gets more and more complex. And there's just, I don't know, the answer was really wandering, but that's, that's kind of why I like, I think I like the topic and I like writing in it because it's, there's just so much, it's just a wealth and there's a trove of, of information and story and, and it's got so many facets. But your next book is an urban fantasy. And it's in particular, it's in a, an urban fantasy shared world called the Delta underground operatives for anyone listening who isn't familiar with that series. Here's a quick intro. The agents of Delta underground operatives have one critical mission. Keep magic secret. Humans are not ready to know that the creatures from their dreams are real. They're even less prepared to fight the monsters from their nightmares. When the gods were killed, Alder Shaw, the sole surviving demigod, established Duo to protect the status quo, solve the mystery of the gods' fates, and safeguard the puddle, the last reservoir of divine magic. Aided by twin witches Maven and Moxie, Shaw paired up beings of magic who resonated with each other, in tandem with the puddle, these individuals now enjoy access to a second set of abilities, making them tough to beat. These beings are the agents of Duo. And uh, this is something you know quite a bit about, Nicole, because you and Kimber Swain, uh, another urban fantasy author, you co-created the Duo Shared World project um, that we're all writing in. How did that even come about in the first place? Oh, thanks, Scott. Yeah. Um, so just... It's kind of complex, but to sum it up in a way that's hopefully quicker, um, I was watching a, ni a niche in the um, Amazon store that dealt with um, a couples, you know, duos, first of all, like, uh, you know, and a couple of my other friends, um, Kimber had a, has a series and, my, and myself, my own urban, my Dread Dixon books have a duo and and then uh, Ben, you know, who also was early, we brought Ben on early and, and we all, all three of us were kind of writing in that kind of niche. And then I just wanted to expand it quicker because it's actually not super big as a, on Amazon, but it, it has people searching for it. And so it's kind of like in the vein of, of, I, I don't know, I don't think Buffy really counts as a duo, but but like moonlighting and stuff. So, and then when I, when I was talking to Kimber about it, I was referenced moonlighting a bit because I grew up watching Bruce Willis and Sybil Shepard in that and just loving the um, dynamic and the chemistry between, between them and how they work together, but they wanted to keep the, 
the relationship, not the main storyline. And so, so with urban fantasy, because it's not technically usually about the romance, um, it's it's there's a, a fun resistance to the idea of of a couple like ending up together. You're there for the adventure. The romance would be a side note, and and so. As I was looking at the the niche, I was like, how can I work with this? You know, I, I wanted to consult with um, Ben a little bit, but he, he was going through some stuff at the time. And so I talked to Kimber about it because I knew I knew her and and she's she's just uh, she's a wealth of information and she's very powerful with her own writing and she works really hard and is ambitious. And so we kind of were like, hey, let's, you know, she might have been the first to suggest it because I was probably not going to go for this ambitious, but go that ambitious initially but she was like let's do a shared world and so it kind of ballooned from there and and then we you know we recruited you and Jamie and, and everyone else and it was that was just that was really thrilling and and so then and then Kimber and I got together and then along with Charlie who we brought on to help world build because he's really good at that as well but he ended up having to to not work on the project due to some personal reasons at the time but we built the kind of built the conceits within the world the rules and and then we kind of what we did after that you know as you know we gave every the writers pretty much free reign with a few rules and then we've kind of um as we've gone through we've built around any kind of rule systems that cropped up because of a specific writer and how they approach their story or whatever so it's kind of growing all the time and you can end up with as you know some kind of hiccups but then you iron them out um and I mean, you see that in all sorts of shared universes, you know, Star Trek, Star Wars. Sometimes you end up having to sort stuff after the fact or whatever. But it, it, I think in 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 you can still maintain canon doing all that. Anyway, I don't know if that answers it, but it's been a really great project. And and I would I, I've learned so much and I've loved everyone's contributions to it. And I I really feel personally like it's been a a group that has made it live not you know we gave it the breath of life maybe but then um me and Kimbra and whatnot but then with uh you know you guys just it's got legs and it walks and it breathes and it and it has some blue jeans and it um money <laughs> I was yeah. gonna try for real reference it didn't work no it, it works because <laughs> I, I think it actually leads into my question perfectly because it did get legs and people have taken it and run with it and created their own spaces within this structure that you created with Kimbra and that those spaces have become come to life and been shared and, um, and manipulated by more than one author in some ways to make it even better. So how is working with all of us on those shared spaces and this shared universe impacted your creative process for Halo of Light? Because obviously there's so many things that other people have have dreamed of that you can now partake in. Uh, thank you, Jane. Yeah, I mean, uh, so since I was um, later in the process because just well, for a couple of reasons, like so since my book is coming out and now and everyone, so many people have already done theirs, um, I've had I've had like a little more um okay, I got to make sure this is correct. You know, uh, early on I saw that that uh that um specifically Ben was doing demons and a sorceress um and that 
And I had already picked New York City because, you know, I want to write. I kind of want like one of my goals is to visit a lot of places this year and next year. And so I was writing in places I want to go. Um, and so I, I've run into some hiccups with because uh, Ben's just came out and and mine was I was so we were kind of creating at the same time. But we worked it out and it ended up being OK. But. then there's been these other parts and I mean those ended up being great because uh then I've added them in the things that I kind of the the issues with how he worked with New York City and whatever then there's been this sort of certain beautiful part like I mean there's beauty in that too as well but this other this other stuff that's got like Scott's creation of Midnight Crossings is has been really uh just really fun and I know early on other writers were loving the fact that, that that was something we could play with them. And that is, a, for those that don't know, a bubble universe that um, exists outside the, our current space time. I mean, that's actually, I think it runs on a time, the same time zone time thing, like a one-to-one time, I think is what you called it, Scott. But the Midnight Crossings has been really fun because it's, um, well, the history, first of all, is just really gorgeous. He he built in an immediately a can, this like tension between a friction between the market part of it and then the the midnight crossings on a larger scale, and so create and and there's so there's been some really fun shops within it that I wanted to to explore, but I invented one myself. I have um created a a dwarf that's married to an orc, and they have a the orc is a scholar. And the um, dwarf uh, is kind of the barter. She runs their shop and she uh, forces people to pay and he never wants anyone to pay. I mean, just, it's been fun. I don't, uh, and reading other people's stories has been really magical just to see how people have made it come to life. Um, Just some of the best writers in urban fantasy are are operating in this, this universe. And I'm, uh, so I haven't, I've just been, stoked with every book that's come out and just seeing what people have done and some of the writing styles are so different too and that's also just been a really beautiful part of it to see like Kimbra's style versus uh Katz and 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 Siobhan's and and Sarah's Uh, you guys are all just incredible so I don't know if I answered the question I I just ramble I'm sorry it's It's all good. It's all good. Well, I mean, if you look at the ratings, clearly readers are loving the books that are coming out. They seem to be embracing the world and the stories. And you're right. You know, everyone's every author is bringing their own voice and tone and style. Slightly different take on Midnight Crossings. It's uh, it's all all makes sense, but um, we're all kind of bringing our own take to it. And I think that's that's why shared world uh, shared world projects are fun to write in, and I think they're fun for readers as well. Um, speaking of which. Uh, since your book is about to come out, can you give us a spoiler-free synopsis of Halo of Light? Mm, I should have had one prepared. <laughs> um, uh, next time, I'll have you guys send me a list of questions beforehand. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. Um, <laughs> you can do this. Just it, it can be short. It's I just like I'm so bad about sometimes talking about my own work because it's so in my head. It's like it's actually this really big thing, you know, but really, you know, it's like a instead of a it's a forest, but there's really like a tree within it. That's one easy tree to go. Okay, this is what it is. But I just always see the forest. It's a but mine is like. um, I've always really loved I'm going to do this. This will kind of hopefully summarize it. And I'm going to give an example of. 
something that has always been really close to my heart. And that is, um, and which, so there's a movie called city of angels, which I have never seen. Um, but it was based on a German one called uh, Wings of Desire by Wim Wender. It came out in the 80s and it's in black and white. And uh, it's got Bruno Gans in it. And, and then Peter Falk, who I always have loved. I loved Columbo. I grew up watching Columbo. I'm such a nerd. Um, <laughs> does everyone, like, I don't know. Sometimes I think I'm not. And then I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> okay. I love that movie. Oh. I saw I saw it when it came out. I you loved Peter love Falk. It? Yeah. Okay. I love it when I find somebody that has watched or seen Wings of Desire because, you know, it's a German film and whatever. Anyway, it's just the whole, it, it's just a gorgeous, heartbreaking story. You know, these angels that are in love with the earth and the humans and they can never touch them, but they want to and they can see and feel their pain and they want to comfort them. And they they have, you know, they're operating within a set of rules where they can or can't, whatever they can do or not do. But they, there's these just really gorgeous like scenes where, you know, he talks about the things that he, one of the angels talks about wanting to touch the newspaper and fill the print on his fingers and have things touch him and be, and touch things and have his, him impact things that, that he can never do. He doesn't impact life. It happens and he's outside it. So my angel character, I have an angel character and he is just like one of those angels. He wants to he's a comforting angel and he wants to partake of life and he wants to be immersed in it. And he can't, and he, and he gets chosen to be an underground operative essentially. And he doesn't, he wants to, but he doesn't because, so he's torn immediately about all these things. And I, I love always, I just always love that, that kind of a thing where you're torn, but you want something. So anyway, he gets teamed up with a partner. Neither of them want to be in a partnership. She is the exact opposite of him where instead of being comforting, she shoots first and asks questions later. So she's a little rough and tumble and he is a gentle soul who wants to, he can see into the hearts of humans and he feels and sees their pain and not just humans, but animals as well. And so immediately once they're bonded, they, you know, end up, it changes them in these unexpected ways um, and, you know, they both discover that they're not what they think they are, or if they are, uh, the universe is going to act upon them in a way that changes them from what they have always conceived themselves as. Um, so there's banter and stuff and it's fun and there's humor and she's kind of an asshole sometimes. And he is a little bit, but his is, his is more like, I'm just, uh, you know, more like a robot kind of an asshole thing where it's like, I didn't know that that wasn't normal or whatever. Anyway, he ends up adopting a dog and she has a cat. I mean, it's just, I don't know. These, is that a summary? <laughs> I think that gets us started. Well, and what are your characters names? Cause I'm afraid I'm going to mispronounce them when I ask this next question. I'm glad you asked that, Jamie. <laughs> um, so the girl is named Sin. Her her first full name is Lucinda, and she hates the name. And so she shortens it to Sin. And I think that's freaking fun because for the angel, she is a Sin. You know, she's like, she ends up being the thing that he gives up eternity for. That's part of the synopsis, or it's in the description. So it's not a surprise and it's not a spoiler, but... But that is also the like kind of the plot partly of um, a city of angels, at least. I don't remember what happens. In, I don't think in Wings of Desire, it's not described that way. But 
it's that whole thing of what you'll give up for the love of your life. Will you give right. up some of the, some a moral code? Will you give up the mo- thing, the other things that you love most in your life? So and, what's, and his, my, what's his name? His name is, is, um well, his full name is Giel, like an angel has always the E-L sound at the end or the, the, the suffix. Um, but his, he goes by Guy, Guy, which is the French pronunciation of, the name in in French, I think it's a shortening of William. It's like a, a version of William, um, but he goes by Guy, uh, and the and Sin is just an ass, and she calls him Guy. So he's an angel named Guy, and and that's part of her arc. It she she doesn't respect. She does whatever she wants and calls him Guy, and he he's always like, my name's you know it's Guy. Um, so then, if if you meet Sin and Gee in a bar, what is that like? What what would what would it be like if you like were sitting there and you walked up to them and and introduced yourself? How would they respond to that interaction? Um, Sin wouldn't probably care. She only has like five people that she cares about in the whole world: um, Audrey and Malcolm, who are named after two of my readers, and they're they run their super helpful fans. I love them. And they wanted to be in a book. And, and then I, and then her cat who was named, I say Bastet, but I think most people pronounce the Egyptian goddess as Bast. Um, and so she would just be like, okay, nice to meet you. And then move on and not give a shit. Um, Guy is really hard for humans to read. He's full of emotions, but he's kind of like stone faced. So he wouldn't seem to be moved by your presence at all. He would just, he would be like, hi, but he would feel your pain. And, he, and, and that's one of the things that's fun about him, I think, is this dichotomy of what's inside him. It's a massive amount of emotion and feeling because he's been observing humanity for so long, but then not having expression, he doesn't show feeling. And so there's all, all through the book, he's like, I have emotions. People are like, you don't feel anything. He's like, I feel so much. Well, I find that humorous, but that's how they are. Neither of them are very friendly or outgoing. They're kind of they're kind of isolated, and they've they've done that on purpose. Uh, Guy, because of his circumstances as an angel and not ever really being part of the human flow of time, always outside it, within it, but outside it. And then and then Sin, who is she's isolated herself on purpose. Her parents are dead. And um, she's got one brother and she doesn't, she doesn't really, she doesn't want, she wants to protect the people she loves. And so she keeps that circle small because then you have less to try to protect. It's, and she's really protecting her own heart. It's egocentric while looking very noble. Part of her arc. Okay. So um, I can't wait to read this book and learn more about these characters because it feels to me like you've really built a lot of layers in there. And you've got external and internal conflicts going on. You've got conflicts between the two of them as a pair of of dual casters. Um, How much of that was you sitting down ahead of time before you started writing the book and fleshing out these characters? And how much of this developed as you went along and was more of a discovery process as you're writing the book in terms of how these characters came to life? That's a really good, 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 like good observations and really great questions, Scott. Um, I kind of knew, so I knew like a, a like beginning of last year, I think maybe, I don't know, May, 
so I guess like a year ago that I was going to do an angel. I was originally going to have sin be a witch, but witches are a little harder for me. I, sorcery is like, you know, it's innate. And so there's, there's something she wants to be a witch because they have a coutrement. <laughs> so they can like accentuate their powers in different ways, you know? Um, and so she has Audrey who does that for her. Uh, in the end, Audrey makes her amulets and shit that she can like, add to her her like quiver but so i knew so then i changed it to sorcery because i think i dread dixon is also a sorceress and so i i already kind of had a grasp on some of that but as i've written more has come to light so i would say 50 50 maybe 60 40 i knew about 60 percent, and then as i've written it's gotten more complex and actually you know that beautiful feeling of it was really gorgeous of as you're writing and the discovery is happening and you're like, this is my plot. And I, I had plotted my book out, I don't know, maybe, maybe June last year. And I had it all written down. And as I've written it, it's kind of gone off my outline, like a lot. It's diverted from the outline. And actually the things that have, have ended up working better have, have just really been organic. And it, and it's, and it's made it a very much, I feel like it's made it a tighter story that, feels a lot more whole and organic and pleasing. My beta readers are really loving it. Um, I'm really surprised at how how much they're responding to it because I've never had quite this amount of like, this is just where they like, this is really resonating and I'm loving it to that degree. Um, so yeah, I say 60, 40. Wow. Like it's fun. How do, how do you guys, I don't know. I kind of want to ask you guys how yours went just because I feel like, I've just done a lot of talking. No, no, you, well, no, I think I, I do a lot. I'm a discovery writer. So I, I have some basic premises about my characters when I get started, but I learn about them as, as the readers learn about them almost. It seems like, what about you, Scott? Um, probably somewhere between 70 to 80, 85% done before I start writing. Because for me, the, the plot and the character arc kind of, come they come from the character itself the characters so if i don't have a sense of who those characters are dropping them into a plot uh it's difficult for me to figure out how that works in a way that allows the plot to kind of both uh i guess support the character arc but also be in response to the character arc so i like to have a really good handle on my characters because for me my writing process is the uh the, the story itself kind of comes from me being able to say, what would they do in the situation? And if I don't have a good sense of that, writing a scene with them, I end up having to go back and rewrite it. And I hate rewriting, hate it. There you go. Um, You told us about your main characters, but there's one more character that's very important in these books, and that's the bad guy, the villain. Now, so what is it about them that makes makes them the kind of evil that we need to send duo agents after? Okay, that's a good question. And <clears throat> so, mine, sir, mine is I was already planning on three books at least, and so, and then you know, Kimbra, <clears throat> kind of, and her and I kind of ended up wanting to have a little bit of overlap in some aspect of our stories. So, uh, <clears throat> I think <clears throat> I don't know if this would be a spoiler. I don't really want to give anything away, so I can't really say very much. But, um. D is an angel, so he is he's part of the heavenly realm, 
um, and he comes to Earth all the time. But and we don't really we haven't divided we haven't divided the Kimber and I didn't do anything with like really dividing up. Oh, here's the fairy realm and here's the Earth realm and here's heaven hell. But Gi is there obviously is a heaven and and the gods are all dead. That's what created the puddle. <clears throat> and so, um. Gi is uniquely suited because uh, let me just say that the the villain there's there's a the villain is related to heaven and the heavenly realm and and it, and I he gets into it, it kind of it's kind of there's a little bit about it in the story I wrote with Ben called uh, Lead and Light which is in the free collection um, it's the story of Ichabod and Gi um, and so you know Ichabod is like a man of God and he believes in God but uh, you know, then whatever God that is, there's like hundreds and thousands of gods, but he believed in the God that was a part of his religion. The God, the gods are all dead and, and he knows they're dead. Um, but, but humans don't know. And so as, as things are happening, because, because the God's been dead for quite a little while, but there's things happening in the heavenly realm that's impacting heaven. And then it's, it's now it's bleeding out on, you know, and kind of starting to impact the earth and, and um the realm of earth and so that is what kind of makes gi suited to it he stumbles upon this this uh what's going on and and is then he kind of connects with alder through ichabod and then he's got to figure out what to do and to be a duo agent at at the level that alder needs him to be he has to have a partner and um Sin is this perfect partner for him because um, he, because of their opposite nature, he wants, he's, he doesn't want to do violence. He wants to comfort and protect and sin is the opposite. She just slaughters vampires pretty ruthlessly um, and demons, not the demon that lives in her shop. (laughs) He's a good demon, but she, you know, she, she kills other others. And so there's this, you both need to come towards the center more. And so your partnership will, will benefit both of you as a, in a growth kind of evolution kind of sense. So the villain then therefore, if I didn't get to that is kind of related to heaven and um, there will be obviously going to be like three books. So what, whatever happens at the end of one um, will, there will be continuation into the third, second and third books. Awesome. I mean, it's it's interesting to hear authors talk about their books. You and whatever the question is, you answer through a character lens, and and what that tells me is that your characters are really well developed in your stories. Um, what on a related note, what would you tell fans of Colossus and Dread Dixon about the new series, um, the, this Halo of Light book and this trilogy? Um, what would you tell them to entice them to try out the Duo World and your your books in particular? Uh, thanks, Scott. And also, that's a great question. Um, I like it. it. Well, so with the Colossus books, um, the what's similar be- for those like between, well, obviously, I wrote them, but there's this, there's always like an ensemble cast, I try to often have an ensemble cast of like, mm, the, you know, you have the main character, but the main character is partially defined by all these other characters that are part of their lives and not just in a foil type sense, but in a, 
dynamic sense where they're constantly growing and changing because of their friendships and they're, you know, they're, they're developing enemies and they're losing enemies and they're developing new friendships and losing friendships because sometimes friendships sour or whatever. So with the Colossus, um, actually a lot of my Colossus fans end up reading their Dred Dixon books and really liking, and they did never liked fantasy before urban fantasy. And, um, but, but there's that always the similarity kind of my characters are often female and then they're often like kind of strong females, but they're also still female. They're not like a reskinned male where um, they just go around and kill. They're, they have over, maybe you, some might say really overdeveloped emotional spheres and maybe that's because I have that. <laughs> um, just, uh, you know, where does it end? It doesn't. You could just dig forever. And the the characters are often that way. And they're, they don't even often know their own motives. They will explore their motives and try to understand them, but then recognize at some point that it's impossible. It's an impossible ask. So, you know, Holly Drake in the Colossus books is like that. Uh, she... She really is loyal to her friends and loves them and will do anything for them. And same with um, Dread and same with um, Sin and Guy. Once they let you in, they don't let go. And there's a level of of loyalty that I think resonates with people who, and for a lot of people, you know, we we love who we love. And um, if you dare to love, then then if you're that type of person that does dare to love you're you often don't easily just let go or walk away you I don't know um and and so with this one it's kind of the same where there's this family dynamic sin also has a family Guy doesn't and he wants one and he starts to develop these friendships that are really unexpected and just so beautiful to him he he, and he's watching himself evolve like he's so he's kind of a, since he's an angel he has the capacity to like like step outside time and see time as a whole but then also he has this angelic power where he can he has like a thousand eyes and he can see a little bit into the future and a little bit into the past and so he has also this capacity to see himself almost outside himself and watch as he's observing himself evolve and develop these friendships and so he's constantly going well my first friend was Ichabod and now I have Sin, and now I have this dog, and now I have almost have Audrey and Malcolm, and now I and it's and that to me is this gorgeous process of humanizing something that was not human and and learning what it means to be human. And I love that in books like Murderbot, the Murderbot books, or Data. Data was my favorite um character in Star Trek because he wanted to understand so desperately the things that made humans human and I guess that's kind of me. I'm not autistic or something, but um, you would think maybe I am because of how much I obsess about, about these these topics. But I just, I don't know. Interesting. I would say fan. I would say you're I'm a fan. fan. Of humans. <laughs> a human super fan. There maybe. you go. I'm probably an AI and it's just proof of that. Like I'm like a robot AI. I don't know. Do we call AIs? Data would be considered an AI, wouldn't he? Or or what? Like, how does that actually work? Because you got so. bots and then you got AI, and it's like, does one do they merge into one if you decide to make a robot that's got AI running its wetware? I don't know. <laughs> I, I, all I know is that um for for the people listening to this podcast who don't you can't not see what Jamie and I are seeing, 
as Nicole's talking about data, her cat jumps in her lap and she's, and data had a cat. Data had a, a, yeah, data cat. Had a cat. I forgot that spot. <laughs> is his name spot, right? Yeah, I think so. That's great. That's the great. most hilarious name. It's like you wait a cat. Is it spot? Cause that's like a dog name. Just showing you the data doesn't it really is spot. get. Yeah. Oh, nice. There we go. He's like, All right, listen. We have hit. We've hit the uh, no wrong answer part. Uh, rapid fire, five questions. Jamie, are you ready? I'm ready. Oh, Nicole, are you ready? Nicole, there are no wrong answers. Just say the first okay. thing that comes into your head. Literally, no wrong answers. So there's okay, no stress. I'm just really freaking nervous now. The, uh, the, there's no wrong. Wait, we called it no wrong answers for a reason. No, but that means there are. <laughs> I have to put my cat down. She's okay. So needy. Are you ready? Yeah. Okay. Here we go. Question number one. What was the last song you remember listening to before this interview? It is what it is by Blood Orange. See, you're off to a great start. You did that. Thanks. You did that perfectly. See, now if you could meet any author, living or dead, who would it be? Brandon Sanderson. What's your favorite method for de-stressing? Oh, uh, I mean, the first thought that came to my head was smoking a cigarette, but I don't smoke, so I have no idea. <laughs> Yoga. <laughs> Yoga. That works. Um, what country have you never been to but desperately want to visit? Mm. Uh, France. Okay. Cool. Uh, and given the two genres that you write in, would you rather have access to magic or advanced technology? Magic. Awesome. See, that was easy. That was you so nailed easy. It. So you easy. nailed it. I mean, I thought, though, and, you know, you were like, no thinking. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I've said mm, even, you know, <laughs> it um, worked. I did. That was I did. A fun part of that interview. I enjoyed that. Um, we should have done the whole interview that way. I have met Brandon Sanderson a few times and I didn't really listen to the part where he said living or dead, but I think that's, that's a big part. And I don't, I still said uh, Brandon, but I've met him a few times, but um, From everything just, I've heard, he's a wonderful person to chat with. No, he is. He's so kind and he doesn't make any, he makes people feel, and he's not like a, he's not like a cult leader type that it's like, oh, you're just doing this to lead your cult. <laughs> and it's not like a charisma either. So it doesn't feel um, like used car salesman -y. He's very genuine and he's, he's a, it's like he, he's got a really big heart and you can kind of, it comes out in him when you meet him because he's very, kind and he talks to you like a person and he looks you in the eye and he's uh so i met him a couple times and every time he's like just that and then it kind of makes you annoyed because it's like how <laughs> how are you like so amazing at writing all these books but then you're also just a really good human and you know not like an asshole i think it's official nicole has just called brandon sanderson annoying well, yeah, because I mean, that is an annoying thing, right? Like annoying because wait, wait, annoying because he's not an asshole. That's that's the, exactly. that's the, exactly. deep, the deep reference in some, there. In some way, you almost, want, you almost want to see the thing that betrays their you want to see almost this thing that, that shows their imperfection, because, I, you, you know, perfection is really boring. It, it's. If you, you know, we say things like, oh, it's not perfect. So I, I'm I not bet if you talk to his family, they'd come up with a few items that we, oh, no, I know there's <laughs> things I know. Like, I know for one, I don't know if he does this anymore, but he used to like write in the front room on a beanbag. 
partly probably because he wanted to be around his family. But then the fact that he could disassociate so much and write while he's sitting there with the family, that's kind of annoying. (laughs) (laughs) All right. All right. Before the fans grab the pitchforks, um, let's wrap (laughs) things up here. Uh, When does Halo of Light come out? I think it's Friday, May 19th. Is that right? Yeah. Yep. 19th. Awesome. So if for the duo fans, please be sure to um, place your pre-order now. Uh, or be sure to buy it when it comes out. We've got more coming down the pike. Obviously, we've got sequels coming out. Uh, we've got a couple more authors who haven't even launched their, their first books yet. So the, the universe continues to expand in the do Share world. Um, Nicole, please tell listeners how they can connect with you online. Uh, you know, I just got my website running again. Um, I had to fix my hosting package. So it was off. So there's my website, which I don't really keep that up to date. But then you know, my reader group, the Nicole Broda Passes, Fiction Fanatics, uh, and obviously the Duo Reader Group, which I'm I'm also very pretty active on that, and you know running that with you guys with the help of you two and some of the other writers. Uh, so I don't really you know I think actually the Facebook stuff is the best for that because that's where I actually am during the day. Right. We'll, we'll put all that in the show notes. No problem. Thanks so much for joining us today, Nicole. This has been a blast. It's been fun. Thanks, you guys. Chatting with Nicole was so much fun, Scott. I can't wait to read Halo of Light, which is the next book to come out in the Duo Universe. It's Nicole's book, and I'm so excited to see that coming out. It'll be out soon after the release of this podcast episode, so you want to keep an eye out for that. And we'll have links to her books and everything we talked about in the show notes over at jamiedavisbooks.com. Scott, why don't you share with the listeners how they can get in touch with you and follow what you're up to? Uh, will do. My website is scottiswriting.com and I am Scott is writing on all the major social media platforms. How about you? Well, you can find me at jamiedavisbooks.com or on my Fun Fantasy Readers Facebook group. And make sure you check out the podcast and subscribe to the show at jamiedavisbooks.com. You can click on the podcast tab right there at the top of the page. Until next time, I'm Jamie Davis. And I'm Scott Walker telling you to keep on reading and keep listening here to the Books and Authors Fantasy and Sci-Fi Podcast.